You feeling good? Come on, you ready to study God's Word? Awesome. Grab a seat real quick. Man, it's good to be back. Uh, Midtown feels, feels good. Brings back old memories. I've cried a lot in this building like I did tonight. Uh, man, there's been this, this uh, for those of you who were around back, you know, a few years ago when, when this was home uh, to celebration week in and week out, um, then, then you know probably a lot of fond memories of God moving here. And, uh, and so it's good to be back. It feels, just feels right. I don't know how else to say it. It just feels right. Carpet's new, so that's nice. But um, just, it just feels good to be back in this environment. And my wife and I are really excited, as Pastor Keith was saying, um, went away to, to the other side of the ocean for a little while, and, and we were being faithful to do some things that our pastor had, had asked us to do. And, and now we're actually back here in, in Jacksonville, and, and Midtown is actually uh, the assignment that Bethany and I are going to be pastoring now, and so we're going to be here at the Midtown location. And so, uh, hey, come on, Saturday nights, Sunday nights. Uh, we're going to be doing it here. It's going to be awesome. And so uh, myself and uh, Pastor Tyler will be uh, rocking with us. And um, you'll, you'll see Pastor Keith and a lot of familiar faces a lot. But uh, if you don't have any other place to be on a Saturday night or a Sunday night especially, uh, man, come hang with us here for some more service. It's okay to go to church twice a week, okay? Right? It's okay. Look at your neighbor and say, you need it. Like, you, you need to go. So you could use an extra dose. So it's okay to go to church twice a week. So come back, hang with us. I'll even say this, hey, uh, tomorrow night, right, it's Wednesday, tomorrow night, um, all the fellas, look, come back out and hang with us tomorrow night in this room at 7 o'clock because we're going to be watching March Madness on the big screen. And so you can come. It's going to be a good night. We'll have the basketball on. Uh, we'll have great catered food. And so uh, Midtown's got a lot happening. And so I'm glad uh, to be here with you tonight. Uh, Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13, Old Testament, Old Testament. Hey, while you're turning to Exodus chapter 13, I, I just want to um, just recognize and, and acknowledge pastors Keith and Tyler and Kelly, man. Can we put our hands together for them? And uh, just the amazing job they do. They're awesome people. They're great friends. And uh, you, don't, you don't see the hours and hours that they spend um, working, making ministry happen. How many of you know you don't just show up and this happens? Like someone's putting hours in and they're the ones putting hours in and uh, we all get to be beneficiaries of someone else's hard work and labor. And so I'm really thankful for them. I'm thankful for our lead pastors. Come on, Pastor Stovall and Carrie. And uh, man, great visionaries. I'm, I'm so thankful for them that they saw the opportunity to come back here, renovate this building. And uh, man, it puts more resources, more opportunities, more venues uh, in our church's lap so that we can do more things than we even had the capacity to do at the arena. The arena is a big building, but it's just kind of one big room. But man, the vision to come back here, renovate this space. I love our pastors and I'm thankful for their leading. So Exodus chapter 13 is where we're going to go tonight. It'll probably be on the screen behind me. And uh, Exodus, starting in verse 17. Let's go to verse 17. Exodus 13, starting in verse 17. It says this, When Pharaoh let the people go, right? Let me give you a bit of background real quick. We're picking up this story um, where the ten plagues have happened, right? We've all seen the movie Prince of Egypt, whatever the one is with Christian Bale. Um, right? We've all seen the movies, right? So the ten plagues have happened, right? So now Pharaoh is letting 
letting a whole nation of Israelites go, been slaves for hundreds and hundreds of years, letting them go, right? They're, they're leaving Egypt. They're launching out into the promised land that God has promised. It's out there somewhere, right? But they're just beginning this journey. And we pick it up right here at the very beginning. When Pharaoh let the people go, watch this. God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around. Somebody say around. That don't sound fun. For those of you who are uh, geometry uh, inclined, you know the shortest distance between two points is what? A straight line. That ain't what God's doing. He, it says he leads them around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. Now, I just want to pause right here. Isn't this very interesting? In verse 17, God says, I know that, that if they go the, the short way, if they go the straight way, I know that if they encounter the Philistines, they'll be cowards and they'll go back to Egypt. But in verse 18, your Bible says that the Israelites are ready for battle. Isn't that awesome? Israelites are like, yeah, we're ready for battle. God's like, no, you're not. You're not ready. You're not ready, and I know you're not ready. God knows what you need more than you know what you need. God knows what you're ready for even more than you know what you're ready for. Isn't that, isn't that so us? God, I'm ready. God, I'm ready. Take me to the next level. You ain't ready for the next level. God takes them around. Doesn't take them straight to. God takes them around. Verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. You can go back to Genesis chapter 50, 24 and find that. He said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up with you from this place. After leaving Sokuth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, someone say day. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night, somebody say night. By night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day and they could travel by night. How many of you know sometimes you get to follow the Lord in the daytime when there is clarity, when you, when you can see the next step easily in front of you, you get to follow the Lord when, when there is um, there's distinction, there is, you, can, you can see vividly everything that is out in front of you, but, but sometimes you got to follow at night. And at night, there's not a lot of clarity. At night, you really can't see what's ahead of you too far. And, and, and so the Bible says, look, sometimes in life you get to follow the Lord at day. Sometimes you get to follow him at night. The important thing is just that you keep following him during both. You just keep pressing in. I think some of us, most of us, all of us in the room tonight, you've lived long enough to know what it feels like to follow in the daytime and when you've had to follow in the nighttime. But at the end of it all, you just got to be an individual that says, God, come day or night, come clarity or no clarity, come answers or no answers. I'm just going to keep following. I'm just going to keep pressing on. They, they could follow by day and they could follow by night. Watch this, verse 22. I love this. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Neither the cloud nor the fire left its place in front of the people. I watch, watch this. The provision never left its place. The provision never left its place. When you follow, sub 30, when you follow the leading of the Lord, when you follow God, when you decide, I am going to submit, boy, that's a heavy word. 
I'm going to submit to the Lordship. I'm going to submit to His direction. I'm going to submit to His leading. I'm going to be obedient to what I know Scripture says. When, when I do that, I get to be led under the provision. I get to stay under the, the pillar of cloud, under the pillar of fire. I, the provision never leaves its place. If you're ever living life and you don't feel the provision, the provision didn't leave. You must be outside of the provision. The provision never left its place. Had Israel decided, you know what? This way sucks. I don't want to go around. I want to go through. Had they decided, you know what? I don't, I don't want to be led by you anymore. I'm going to do the leading. What, what happens? They're, they're out from under the provision. And when you become out from under the provision, you are now susceptible to everything else that's out here. There's no covering. You, you, you are vulnerable to the elements when you come out from under the provision and the leading of the Lord. We stay under the leading of the Lord. Why? B because it's bringing provision to our life, right? The Bible makes this beautiful metaphor. I love it. The Bible uses this. It, it, it uses this metaphor between the Word of God, right, the Bible, and a lamp or a light to a path. This is what Scripture says, right? Just as a light is on a path, so the Word of God is in our life. This is the metaphor Scripture says. When the light leads the way on the path, you get clarity, you get definition in regards to what's ahead. So, so it is with the Word of God. When the Word of God, when the Holy Spirit leads your life and you become submitted to it, you get more clarity, you get more distinction, you get more definition in regards to what's ahead and what God has for you. Please notice that I said you get more clarity. Please notice that you get more understanding. You don't get all understanding. Wouldn't that be awesome though? God, I'm gonna follow you, look, cause I don't wanna paint the picture like it's something it's not. When you follow and you stay under his leading, you're gonna get more clarity for sure in the days ahead than if you were just out doing whatever you want to do away from God. You're going to get more clarity, but you won't get all clarity. 31 years old, been serving Jesus a long time, been in this church game for, for a good minute, right? I don't, I don't have all the answers. There are, there are things in Scripture I still open up. I still am like, God, I just, what, can you connect this dot real quick? Because I'm not connecting it. You know, people come up to me sometimes, they're like, Pastor Clay, I was reading the book of Revelation. I don't know, man. I, it's I don't know, man, something, something about some dragons and some, and some horns, and I don't know. You know, like, 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 you don't get all, but you'll get more. You'll understand more. You'll get more understanding. You might not get all understanding, but, but boy, that makes me even more anxious to see Jesus one day where I can get all. All is coming for those of us who are in Christ. You will get all understanding. You will get all the clarity. You'll get all the answers. You might not get them all on this side of heaven, but you'll get all. But we keep following his leading, right? There is provision in God's leading. There is confusion when you try to lead by yourself. There's provision in God leading. There's limitation when he's not leading. There is provision when God is leading, but there's isolation when he's not leading. And so tonight, here's what I want to do. I, I just want to talk about the topic of trust. I want to talk about the topic of trusting God, following God, your journey 
with Jesus. More specifically, here's what I want to talk about. How to handle moments and keep the faith you need when you're not getting the answers you want. How to keep the faith you need when you're not getting the answers you want. And I've simply entitled this message tonight, Delayed But Not Denied. Delayed But Not Denied. Come on, let's pray. God's going to speak to us. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for your word. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. God, it pierces our heart like nothing else can. Lord, we lean into your word tonight. I pray from the front to the back, the left to the right. God, you would help us. Give us wisdom and discernment as points are shared, as we see things in Scripture that we have never seen before. Lord, help us find how it applies to where we are. Your Holy Spirit can help with that, and so we ask that you would. Lord, don't let us just be hearers. Let us be doers. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Delayed, but not denied. Um, while my wife and I were in Europe for just uh, a little while there, for several months, um, you know, we were kind of based in the UK, but we had the opportunity to travel around. We did a little bit of traveling. Um, flights are ridiculously cheap in Europe. You can puddle jump to almost every major city in Europe that all of us would see in pictures and probably want to visit to at one point or another. And so we had a couple opportunities to go see some places, been to London a lot, been to Paris, all this kind of stuff. But, but one of the trips that we went on is we went to Rome. And uh, anyone ever been to Rome? I don't know if you've ever been to Rome. Rome is amazing. Rome was beautiful. We kind of went. It was like sunshine. It was phenomenal. You could see some really cool sights, just buildings and ruins that were there like while Jesus was walking the earth. It's absolutely incredible. I saw, uh, I saw the prison. I literally saw the prison where Peter and Paul were imprisoned while they were in Rome. When Paul is writing his letters to Timothy, I saw it. I saw where it was right there as he is sitting in a prison cell in Rome days before an execution, writing the these letters that find its way into our canonized scripture, right? So it was an amazing trip. We're walking around. We're seeing all the sights, right? Get on the plane, and uh, we're coming back to the UK, the United Kingdom, and, um, and you would probably, have, if you fly a lot, maybe you've been in a scenario like this before, and uh, so you're on the plane, and you know, like you're looking at your clock, you know you should be getting close to your destination, and, uh, and the pilot comes on. Right, pilot comes on from the cockpit and he says something like, "Hey, uh, attention, folks! Just want to let you know we're going to be landing in about 15 minutes. Right, 15 minutes. We're going to be on the ground right here, London Heathrow. 15 minutes. You're like, perfect, great. That that makes me. I, I always love when they say that. You're like, oh, I'm almost there. Right. So here we are, 15 minutes. All I got to do is 15 minutes left. But um, but all of a sudden you notice that time is just passing and passing and passing, and 15 turns into 20 and 25 and 30 and 35, and and all of a sudden it's been like 40. Five minutes. This pilot is a liar. He's a liar. 15 minutes? This is not 15 minutes. 45 minutes later. Now, you and I both do the same thing when this happens on flights, right? Boy, you sit there and you get angry. Hey, flight attendant. Hey. Bing, 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 bing. Hey. That was the button. Come on. You know what I'm saying. Right? Hey, she comes over. Hey, I th- he said something about 15. Yes, sir. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, you, what do you mean you don't know? You're the flight attendant, right? But um, he's just, we're just waiting. He's gonna, he'll probably come on in a second. Well, tell him to do something. It's, I got another flight to catch, right? You're getting angry. You're getting frustrated. You're getting flustered. All this kind of stuff. Like, what happens in these moments? You assume the worst. You assume he's just out there taking a smoke break. He's just in a, taking a smoke break in the cockpit. 
what in the world is happening right now? You, you're just expecting the worst. You're assuming the worst. You start blaming people. You're blaming Jesus. Jesus, you don't even care. You don't even care about me making my connecting flight, God. You know how this airport is. You don't even care, Jesus. Like, you're, just, you're blaming anybody. But Bethany's like, you want some water? I don't want no water. I just want to land the plane. You're, you're just, you're going nuts, right? You can't take it. You're, you're absolutely expecting the worst. You're getting so angry and so flustered in this moment. But, but finally, the pilot, he comes on again after you, what was 15 minutes, turned into 45 minutes. He comes on again, and he says something like this. He says, uh, excuse me, folks, we, uh, we apologize for the delay. Uh, we, uh, we were just in a bit of a holding pattern. Air traffic control had us in a holding pattern there. There was a pretty violent storm that came underneath us. And uh, so we've just been in a holding pattern, and, uh, and, and, but, but now we're good to land. We're going to land here in just a second. We just wanted to make sure you had a safe arrival. So, uh, again, sorry for the delay, and uh, we're going to be coming in to London. Now, when he said that, boy, your whole attitude changed, didn't it? When he talked about something about a thunderstorm, your whole attitude, all of a sudden you're like, Jesus, I thank you for the wisdom. Jesus, bless the pilot and his family. God, I pray blessings on them. Lord, I thank you for his wisdom and discernment in Jesus' name. Come on, come on, because I would rather be clay bared late than the late clay bared. You know what I'm saying? So your whole attitude changed when you heard that. Listen to me, sub 30. Let, let me bring it in scriptural for us. Sometimes in life, God, the Holy Spirit, will put you in a holding pattern because he is preparing the ground beneath you for the place that he wants to get you to. I know you get frustrated. I know you'd rather go the straight way. I know you'd rather go from A to B tomorrow. I know you get angry at God. God, where are you? God, don't you sit, don't you? God, I got, I got places to go and people to see, and I got a calling to work out in my life. What, what is going on? He's preparing the ground. You, you might be delayed, but you won't be denied forever. Okay? He's preparing the ground beneath us so that he can get us safely to the destination that he has for us. Come on, he's not delaying your life. He's saving your life. He's not delaying your life. He's developing your life, right? So when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them the short way. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert toward the Red Sea, right? Moses, he's leading the people. He's leading Israel out of captivity towards the promised land. They did not take the short route. God deliberately led them the long way. He's putting Israel in a holding pattern. He's putting Israel in a holding pattern. They were delayed, but they weren't going to be denied. Look, sub 30, you can look all throughout Scripture. You can, you can look at powerful men of God in Scripture who were all at some point or another put in a holding pattern. You can look at Abraham. Abraham, hey, bro, um, pick your stuff up. We're going to go somewhere new. Where are we going? Just trust me. Holding pattern, right? Holding pattern for Abraham. You, you, you can look at other people, M Moses and Joseph and David and Paul, all men who were asked to trust God, follow God, stay the course, trust the process, watch this, with no details, no context. God, give me some context before you're going to tell me to do this. Give me some context. I love this. I didn't have time to read it. Say, There's a point in Scripture where God comes to a man named Jeremiah. He says, hey, bro, I want you to wear this linen belt. Why? <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay. Put some, all right. Sometimes you don't get context. Sometimes you don't get answers, right? You don't get an end date. God didn't hand you an outline 
when he asks you to do something. You don't get particulars. All they got was just keep trusting. Just keep trusting. You know, the more I follow God and mature in my own faith, I'm not perfect. I'm 31. There's a lot I don't know. But the more I follow God and I am maturing, the more I am convinced, watch this, it is not the super gifted or the super anointed that pass everyone else and get to the finish line. That, that's not who does. It, it's the person who just keeps enduring, who keeps trusting, who keeps believing, who keeps staying full of faith, right? Because watch this, the race is not given to the to the swift. It's not given to the fastest. The race is not given to the most anointed. The race is not given to the most gifted. Oh, I know you got a gift. I know you got a talent. I know you got some anointing. It is given to the one who endures the longest. In other words, just keep trusting. God, I'm not getting any answers. Just keep trusting. God, I got big questions. Just keep trusting. God, why'd this happen to me? Just keep trusting. God, why do bad things happen to good people? Just keep trusting. God, why'd my dad leave? Just keep trusting. God, why'd this marriage fail? Just keep trusting. God, why my kids acting crazy? Just keep trusting. My mama prayed that a lot. So, Just keep trusting. It's simply the believer. Watch this. It's, it's simply the believer who doesn't need every I dotted and T crossed before they start being obedient to God. That's a mature person right there. God, I don't, I don't need all the answers. I don't need you to, I don't need the outline before I start being obedient to what your word says and what you've personally deposited in me, what you, what you said to me, right? If you live your life always needing context, if you live your life always needing evidence and details before you ever do anything for God, then you won't end up doing anything for God. It's not how it works. Boy, I wish it did because it would make it so easy. But that's not how it works, right? We all have questions. We all got big issues, all, all this kind of stuff. All I'm saying is that you will have to cross the bridge of faith and trust at some point. It's inevitable. You can't get past it. You're going to have to to cross it, right? When it comes to life's big questions, here's what I've learned, right? As I'm putting this message together, my mind is, my mind's going, and, and so this kind of seems like a tangent. Just rock with me for a second. And so as, as we discuss, as we think of life's big questions, and you got questions, and you're angry and confused at God sometimes, and, and that's okay. God's not freaking out because you're asking big questions. God's not breaking down because you're screaming and yelling one night at him. You know what I mean? He's okay. He's a big boy. He can handle it. Like, like, you go ahead. You go ahead and chuck those prayers up to God. It's all right. Say them like you want to say them. He, he's okay. And, and so, but watch this. When it comes to life's big questions, I've learned this. It doesn't do any good to get an answer if you don't trust the person giving it. Does no good to get an answer if you don't trust the person giving it. Pastor Keith, right, one of my best friends, just like he said up here, we, he's not lying. We're best friends, man. We talk about scripture a lot. We talk about the things of God a lot. We talk about church stuff a lot. We talk about families a lot. We talk about sports a lot. So, but he wants to talk about the Eagles. I don't talk about the Eagles. So, but we talk about a lot of other stuff, right? So one of my best friends, if Keith comes to me one day in the office, he's like, Clay, Clay. He's like, Clay, I got to tell you. I got to tell you something that happened at the town center, right? And he starts telling me a story. Clay, I was at the town center the other day. And I was there, I was in Louis Vuitton, I wasn't buying nothing though, um, and so, but I was there, and you won't believe who walked in, Clay, you won't believe, Tony Romo walked in, Tony Romo walked in, he's coming to the Jaguars, Clay, he's coming to the Jaguars, that's not true by the way, but we're going to be horrible again next year, and so, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I love our Jaguar players, um, right, 
Clay Wimbley, Tony Romo walked in, and he was there, and he was doing all this stuff, and he was telling me this and that and that and that and that, and he's, the story goes on and on. I'm going to look at Keith. I'm like, bro, that's amazing, man. That really is incredible, man. And like, like you got, did you get a picture with him? No, I didn't get no picture. Oh, okay. Did he sign something for you? No, he didn't. He didn't sign anything. Like, like, like it doesn't matter. For me, like, for me and Keith, if he's telling me the story, I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Like, I don't need evidence. I don't need proof. Why? Because of the strength of our relationship. Our relationship. I, I believe him. I trust him because of the strength of our re- relationship. So, so watch. Let's do this right here. And, and now let's start doing this right here. Sometimes you're not getting evidence. Sometimes you're not getting proof. Sometimes you're not getting answers or particulars. But, but because of the strength of the relationship, I trust him. I trust him. It's, it's okay. We, we got to get to that place. Trust in God needs to be, it has to be at the center of who you are before you'll ever be okay getting answers in life. Some people try to argue this idea. Some people I've heard in the past, they say things like, well, you know, well, that's not necessarily true. You don't, you know, you don't, you know, you, you can, you can trust the person. Like I, you know, I can just trust the person if they just give me enough evidence. If they just give me enough proof. If they just give me enough details, even though I don't know them, I'll trust them. Like, no, you won't. Like, like, hold on, Let, let's just stop. Let's all stop lying to ourselves. This is church, this is the house of God, stop lying. So let's stop lying to ourselves. Okay, because watch this. There have been moments in life when you have been supplied evidence and details and proof of something and you still didn't believe the person given it. And there have been other moments when you got no details, no context, and no proof, but you believed the person that was given it. You see, trust has nothing to do with evidence and proof. Trust has everything to do with relationship relationship and when you're in a relationship with the Lord and it's a genuine relationship and you know that he loves you and you know that he has his his best stuff saved for you, he's not trying to pull the covers over your eyes all this kind of stuff you can trust God when you're in that type of relationship trust isn't based on proof of the answer trust is based on my belief in the person answering right so the questions become this simply tonight as we talk about trust and I'm going to give us a couple things uh, can you believe before you understand you can write these things down because th- that's faith. You've got to answer this for yourself. Can you believe before you understand? Let me ask another one. Can you trust before you get the answer? Boy, that's faith. Can you hope before you get the help? That's faith. These are questions we have to ask in regards to following Jesus and trusting Jesus. So Pharaoh, let the people go. God did not lead them. On the road through the Philistine country, that that was shorter. God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert toward the Red Sea. The Israelites thought they were ready for battle. Verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. Here's what I want to do as we get ready to wrap up. I want to give you three things that God had to address in the nation of Israel. They're, they're, They're coming out of one place, coming out of 430 years of slavery. They're entering into a new season of life, but God had to address three things. In Israel, Number one, the first thing is he had to address the freedom issue. The freedom issue. <clears throat> Sub 30, watch this. You can be free and not be free. So, so understand, you can be unchained and still be bound up. You can be unrestricted and still be enslaved. God's addressing this freedom issue. 
in them, right? Because even though their captor has released them, even though Egypt, even though Pharaoh has now released them, they are still bound up in their soul. And God recognizes this, and God says, we got to do a work right here. Have you ever met the person, you ever met the person who just got out of the unhealthy relationship, but yet their emotions are still bound up? Isn't, isn't that weird? It's like, it's like you're free from the individual, so you're free, but you ain't free. You're free from the relationship, but you're not free in here. You're still bound up in here, even though the person is no longer in your life. See, this is why scripture, I was talking with Pastor Keith the other day. This is why scripture reminds us, whom the sun sets free is free indeed, right? So, so watch this. Who does the freeing? The sun. The sun does the freeing. So, so watch this. When you allow Jesus to do the real and genuine freeing work in your life, you are not just free. You are free indeed. Yeah. When Jesus does not do the real, genuine work in your life, you might be free from something, but you are still bound up in here. You're free, but you're not free indeed. Right? This is what God is recognizing in the nation of Israel. Right? Even though Egypt might not still be under their feet, Egypt is still in their heart. Right? I can get the people out of Egypt. Can't get the Egypt out of the people. Jesus, God, he's recognizing this from heaven and he has to do this freeing work in their life so because they need a freeing work he takes them the long way right if they would have gone the short way and encounter the philistines because watch this 430 years a slave right that movie 12 years a slave try 430 years being a slave Right? There's, even though they're free, boy, there is still a slave mentality. We are talking multi-generational slaves. They are not yet warriors. And God knows if you roll up on the Philistines, you will be cowards because you're slaves. You're free, but you're not free. And, and, and you're still full of fear. And so God says, I can't take you the short way. I have to take you the long way. Because as we go about this the long way, I will put a new culture in this nation. I will put a new attitude in my people. I will put a new spirit of boldness and a warrior spirit. A spirit that is not timid. A spirit that is not afraid. I will put courage in the hearts of my people. But it's going to take us the long way. It's going to take us the long way. God's doing this freeing work in their life. I'm sure the Israelites were just like you and me when we're sitting on the airplane. God, why? Why can't we just land this plane? Why can't we just go the short way? Why can't we just get to the thing tomorrow? They're, they're frustrated. They're tired. They're exhausted. They're confused. Have you ever had a moment like that in life? You ever had a moment like that in life where you were just frustrated and confused about what God was doing in you and around you? You're like, yo, can I just get some answers? Can I just get, God, give me something. And you're so confused and you're so frustrated. They're difficult moments, right? But, but watch this. The extra miles are not punishment. They're provision. They're, they're not punishment. They're provision. Israel maybe didn't see it in the moment. They might see it later, but hindsight's twenty twenty. But God's like, no, I'm not doing this to punish you. I'm actually doing this so that when you end up getting to the promised land and there's giants, you won't be multi-generational slaves there'll be a different spirit inside of you the long way is not punishment sub 30 you feel like you're, you're going the long way to something you feel like you can see right in front of your face but God why are you taking me the long it, it's not punishment it's provision and he's doing the work in your life right um, 
let's keep looking. Number two, we'll go to the second one. The second thing that God had to do is he had to address the faith issue. He addressed the freedom issue. Now he's addressing the faith issue. Verse 19 says this, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him into the wilderness. Moses took the bones of Joseph. There was a man named Joseph, right? You know the story of Joseph. You know, he had some brothers. He they threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery, all this kind of stuff. Ends up, you know, being in a prison cell for a while. Finally makes his way to the palace. Ends up being like a big deal in Egypt. God works some amazing things in the life of Joseph. We don't have time to look at the whole story tonight. But, but Joseph dies, and they keep his bones around, and I put him in a bag or something. I don't know. And so, um, and um, this is this scripture. I didn't make it up. So, um, Right? And Moses, as they're leaving Egypt, Moses takes the bones of Joseph and he takes it into the wilderness. Now, you and I are thinking the same question right now. We're thinking, why? Why don't you just bury the bones, right? Um, that seems logical. We, we bury bones. Um, and so, uh, but, but, but not in this instance. Why did Moses take the bones of Joseph into the wilderness? It, I, I think it's simple. The Lord just gave me this simple revelation. It's because Moses knew what we are about to walk into. It is unsettled land. It is unsettled territory. It is desert. It is wilderness. It is going to be tough. It is going to be hot. There's probably going to be moments. You know how it is when it's tough and hot? You turn on one another, right? Like, like all of a sudden, you love your spouse until you're outside and it's 100 degrees and you, you, know, you don't have no drink. And all of a sudden, you hate each other, right? You will turn on one another. He knows, boy, it's going to be tough. There are trying and testing times ahead. But the bones were a reminder that the God who currently has me in the desert, I can trust him. If this guy, Joseph Holding a bag of bones. If this guy, Joseph, if God did what he did for him, if God brought him out of a pit, if God got him released from the prison cell, if God eventually got him to the palace, he, it, the bones were the daily dose of faith that Moses needed as, as he's about to lead this people through hard times. Every day I would imagine Moses wakes up, the bones are over there in the corner. Moses wakes up, he's checking his emails. All he's got is people complaining. There ain't not, not enough manna, not enough bread. When we get chicken, right? All the Kool-Aid's gone, like, right? All this kind of stuff, right? All he gets is complaining. All he gets is, but, but every day he could look over in the corner, he could see the bones, and he could be reminded the same God that has me in the desert right now who has given me no answers and no context and no details, I can trust him. If that man could trust him, all this, they would have known all the stories of Joseph. They would have known all. If, if Joseph, if that God helped him, then that God's going to help us. The question for you and I is this. What's your daily dose of faith? What's your daily dose of faith? What, what are you giving yourself? What can you look at each and every day when it gets testing and it gets trying? What is it that is your pick-me-up? What's your faith pick-me-up? Is there something that you can look back in your life and say, boy, there was the goodness of God. There was the faithfulness of God. Might not be where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. There was the faithfulness of God. Is there anything in your life that you can look back say, boy, God saved me. Boy, I almost got into that relationship, but thank God I didn't. That person's crazy. So God saved me, right? Right? We all got that one. So, What is it that can be your daily dose of faith and remind you God's good? And the God that currently is giving me no answers, I can still trust him. I can still trust him, right? God's dealing with this faith issue, right? I don't know about you, but, but life, boy, life offers a ton of shaky moments and circumstances, but it very rarely ever offers you something solid to stand upon, right? 
I, I can't hope in government. Boy, that's a mess. I can't hope in the stock market for financial security. That's a disaster. That's, a, that's, that's horrible. Right? I can't hope in people. Why? Because they will betray and let you down at times. I can't even hope in myself because I know the parts of me that I don't like. I know the parts that are still unrefined, even though you don't see it. I I can't even hope in myself. That's why I want to submit it to you tonight that the only proper and right place that you can ever find a sure foundation and a solid rock is the person of Jesus Christ. I can't trust anything else in this life. Boy, life is rocky. It is unwavering. It is shaky. I need something sure. Jesus is the only place that we can trust and find sure. Jesus is the only place that we can hope and find the security that we need. So I'll ask you a couple questions. How's your faith? How's your trust these days? Is it shaky? Do you find yourself on unstable ground right now as you're kind of living this season of life, whatever year it is for you? Like, is it kind of unstable? Is it kind of rocky? I mean, that's just life. You're not going to escape it, but you can find something sure to put your feet on. Trusting in Jesus, right? As the band gets ready to join me, the last thing he had to address is the fear issue. God had to address the freedom issue, getting the multi-generational slave spirit out of them, putting a warrior spirit in them. He had to address the faith issue because the desert and the wilderness is a place of testing, trying times. I, I need something to ignite my faith out there. They spent 40 years out there. That's, that's a long time. What, what's your faith? Pick me up. But the third thing is the fear issue. Look at Exodus 14, starting in verse 10. This is just the very next chapter. It says this, And when Pharaoh drew near, so Pharaoh let him go, realized, oh my gosh, probably shouldn't have done that. We have no slaves anymore. Maybe we should go get them back. I don't, my, 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 breakfast, my breakfast didn't come, so obviously there's a problem. And so let's go get them. And so goes back out. He's drawing near, right? The children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. Someone say afraid. Afraid. Very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you, why have you so dealt with us? To bring us up out of Egypt. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, just leave us alone? Just leave us alone. Let us just serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians. Boy, this is slavery. It would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Let me just pause right there. This is not even in my notes, but that's what slave mentality does. Slave mentality makes you feel like even though you're living a horrible uh, uh, kind of life right now, it makes you feel like, man, I'm just, rather than just step out and maybe fail, I'll just, I'm just going to deal with what's here right now. If that's your logic and that's your reasoning, that's the first step to understanding I got a slave mentality. When better is waiting for you, And God wants to get you to the next place and the next level, but the enemy has convinced you that you only deserve this level. You ever met that girl who knows, she she knows deep in her heart that she's, she's got a man out there that's way better than the one she's with, but she's convinced herself that this is the only kind of good that I'm ever going to be able to get? And boy, he's awful and he's abusive and he always tears her down, all this kind of stuff. But she's convinced herself, right? That's what the enemy does in our life. There's better waiting, but the Egyptians didn't didn't help and the Israelites are just looking thinking like no let's just we'll just go back to Egypt it wasn't that bad right it was no it's horrible it's horrible but this is what the enemy's doing 
in them, right? And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Don't do it. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Oh, I love it. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. You will never see again. The Lord will fight for you and shall hold your peace. The third thing God needed to address was fear. Full of fear. Everything they are saying in this moment is drenched in fear. That's what 430 years of slavery does to a person. Drenched in fear. Even when the chains come off, they are fearful of a master that they have already been released from. Well, that's a whole nother message, Keith. Even when the chains come off, even when the chains and the heavy weight of sin come off and we are free in Jesus Christ, some of us still live life afraid of a master that we've already been released from. And we're afraid and we're still condemned and we're still feeling shame, even though he's no longer my master. And, and just as I once was a slave to the things of the world, now I am a slave unto righteousness in Jesus Christ. But yet we still fear, right? This is slave mentality, right? So God brings them to the Red Sea. Here they are now. Egyptian army behind them, a big body of water in front of them. God brings them to the Red Sea that he can now demonstrate his power and show that he is above the Egyptians and the power that they operated with. I'll illustrate it like this. You ever go back to like middle school maybe? You ever remember in middle school when there was like a bully? There's like a bully in middle school, right? And, and, and the bully had all the power. Everyone was afraid of the bully, right? And, 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 and the bully would pick on people, take their lunch money or whatever. I don't know what the bully did at your school, but, but everyone was afraid of the bully until maybe the next year when like a new kid shows up and the new kid is just like the most swole middle school student you've ever seen. And you're, you're like, dang, he drinks some milk. That, look at that. He's drinking milk, right? Like, apparently, I need to drink some milk. Give me some milk, right? It's just this big kid. I don't know. It's just this big kid came out of nowhere. And you're like, dang. And so, and, and just so happens that you and the new big kid make friends. And, and now, you, now you're friends. And now all of a sudden in this new year with the new big kid, you're not afraid of the, of the bully from the previous year, even though he's still around. Why? Because the seat of power is now on your side. God brings the red sea into play with Israel because God is saying, I will show you Israel. You have feared so long with your slave mentality, the Egyptians, but I have now brought you here so that you can see on the other side of this sea, there's going to be an exchange of the seat of power. You will no longer fear the Egyptians. You will save your fear from me, the Lord, your God, who is your deliverer. God is showing them I'm changing the power. Your, your slave mentality has you fearful of them. Oh, you need not fear them. The seed of power is now changing. God, that's why God brought them here. This is what God is about to do right here. So watch this. The rest of the story. God parts the Red Sea. Moses stands up. He lifts his hands in the air. God parts the Red Sea. The Bible says Israel walks over on dry ground. They get to the other side. The Egyptians start to come through. Red Sea still parted. The Egyptians are walking through, right? But the Bible says this. Moses lifts his hands and the sea comes back down again and the Egyptians die in the Red Sea. Everything worked out for the people of God. Everything ended up being okay, but, but watch what they said in verse 11. They said, did you bring us out here to die? Did you bring us out here to die? In other words, are we just going to die here? Are we just going to sit here? God, I can't believe you're not answering. God, I can't believe you're not giving us context. God, what in the world? Why don't I have an outline? God, why don't you do something? God, what is going on? What is everything they're saying? 
is drenched in fear and anxiety. You know what anxiety is? Anxiety is how your heart feels when your mind is full. Peace is how your mind feels when your heart's full. Everything they're saying is full of fear. And the Lord hit me with this revelation. Because this is how we are at times. We're just like them. God, why, why have you brought me here? Why are there no answers? Why is there so much uncertainty in this moment? And God hit me with this revelation. He said, listen, I did not bring you to the Red Sea moment to abandon you. I brought you here because your enemies can't swim. I brought you this, this moment for Israel just like it is for this moment for you, whatever it might be in your life right now, whatever the Red Sea moment is for you. God didn't bring you here to abandon you. God didn't bring you here to leave you. God didn't even bring you here because he's sadistic and he just likes seeing you squirm. He brought you here not to destroy you, but to destroy the very thing that has been chasing you, the very thing that has kept you limited, the very thing that has kept you bound up. The Red Sea is not even just about you. It's about killing the enemy that's following you see when you understand that about your Red Sea no longer do you curse God because of the Red Sea your knees hit the ground and you say thank you Jesus that you have provided a way that my enemy will be defeated come on why don't we lift our hands in the air right now talking about trusting Jesus. Can you trust before you get the answer? Can you trust even in the midst of uncertainty? Can you trust even when all you see is a sea in front of you and something bad chasing you? Can you trust? How's your trust? How's your hope? How's your faith? Can we trust? Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, for every hand lifted, God, I pray that you would ignite their faith right now in the, by the power of God by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you would fill us up. God, where the tank of trust has been empty, God, that you would fill it up yet again. Lord, that we would not be slaves any longer. We will not be fearful any longer. The seat of power has now transferred. There has been an exchange. I will not fear what has been in the past. I will not fear what has kept me limited in the past. I will not fear what has chased me in the past. Oh, I'm here to tell you, there has been some sin. There has been some pattern of sin that has chased you, and you have tried your very best to make it stop, but you're, you're, you're living life fearful. When's it going to get me again? When am I going to fall again? When am I going to mess up again? No, no, I, I, we are not going to leave here tonight fearful any longer. The power of sin and death is broken over our life because of Jesus. God, we worship you, we love you, and we thank you. I want us to lift our hands. I ask the band to sing this one more time. We're going to sing this song, Healer. It's a healing work. It's a healing work that God had to do in Israel. It's a healing work that he had to do in their heart. Just listen to me. Eyes closed. Just listen to me. Just, this is scripture. Just as you were once slaves unto sin, there's a new master. And now you are a slave unto righteousness. Some people don't understand that. They're like, well, I mean, what I got? I'm still a slave. What good is that? No, no, understand the context. Jesus is basically saying, no, just as you once were, were so 
premeditated. Like some of us, like you can just keep your eyes closed. Some of us in the lifestyle of sin that we live, I didn't just stumble upon sin, I premeditated my sin. Like I wasn't just an okay sinner, I was a really good one, right? And, and the word is basically saying just as you were once so organized with your sin, so premeditating about your sin, just as, as that's how you served it, now I want you to take that same passion and we're going to put it in a new place. And, and now just as you once served sin as your master, let us now serve Jesus with the same amount of organization, with the same amount of uh, premeditation, with the same amount of energy, with the same amount of readiness, I will now serve my new master. And I will no longer be fearful of the old, for the new one has a power that is unlike anything else. So Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you're our healer. God, we thank you that you heal us in our freedom issues, that you heal us in our faith issues, and that you heal us in our fear issues. In Jesus' mighty name.